And welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast cycling show from Northern California. On today's show, Jason Grafath, he wraps up his very individual South Canal time trial series. We'll do a little wrap-up on that. World Tour is piping hot. 2020 Milan-San Remo mirrors, in a sense, uh, the 2019 Milan-San Remo. Is Froome on the outs? World Championships might be, so we'll have to discuss those. Three big teams rise to the top. Some things that make it go, hmm, and the writer of the week, and all hail the Daphne, Criterium du Daphne. Coming up today is April, no, it's August, August 14, 2020, and this is the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 187. Welcome, everybody, and I'm bringing in here right away, Chris Flower, our renowned co-host. He's been with us for many, many episodes. Um, you know, Chris, I was looking back through some stats. Uh, one of the still the highest downloaded um, shows is the one we talked about Guanji and where you, yes. you um, <laughs> everything was phonetically spelled, uh, the writer's names. I still go back to that every once in a while. Maybe it's me that's doing it and listen to that. that could uh, be. And it's, it's one of my favorites, uh, favorite episodes, humor. But you know who else we had, uh, Crazy Man, that day? We had Kurt. We don't have Kurt. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I think, knee-deep in, in wood fixing up his new sprinter van. So he's... I think we've lost him for a while. Is he making it wood? Is that what you just said? Is he wood well, pan- he's making wood uh, the in- internal framing out of wood. I- I'm sure he'll put up some really uh, 70s-themed wood paneling in there, too. Just All right. make it really nice and homey. Right. Well, so how are you doing? Um, bike riding and, and, and life. And then you've got your data-driven athlete shirt on. I appreciate that. It looks good. I do, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I, I'm getting out to ride a little bit. Um, I saw you yesterday, and we'll probably touch on that during this uh, Jason Grafath item. Um, right. But getting out a couple days a week, and then just to kind of mix it up, since there's no real racing in the foreseeable future for us, I've been mixing some running in just to dabble in, in something different. But other than that, doing pretty well. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, riding's been I'm slowly but surely bringing the weight down just a tad bit, uh, trying to control myself a little bit there. Uh, so, you know, bike riding has been going well. I've been, um, you know, don't have, I haven't been using a coach and so I'm just using training peaks and I'm just watching, you know, driving my fitness down and then fatigue and then pulling it back. And, uh, it seems yeah. to be doing well, you know, the, the few, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, my, my body felt like I was just shutting down. Um, and I just kind of backed it off a little bit. The fitness is still somewhat similar, but I feel better. So I've been doing more stretching too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to give away too much of your your fitness chase but it seems like your your tss was approaching oh no your your ctl was approaching 100 and that that'd be kind of a milestone metric for you wouldn't it right i mean if anybody ever you know follows me on strava and knows my training um getting a, a high ctl is not something that you would acquire necessarily for the way i train so yeah i've been able to and you know it really is i mean this says about everybody because uh, I'll have some weeks I'll really, you know, maybe a 14-hour ride week, but then a lot of them are a little closer to the eight, probably average is eight, I think, uh, hours. Um, it's consistent, right? Just staying consistent and, and riding, and that that's what COVID has given me, is consistency. The other tip to kind of get that CTL up is in training peaks, just lower your FTP. <laughs> I found well, that's like when I'm having a bad week and I, I make that change, it the chart goes up and I feel a little better. Well, what's interesting is I did that, like when my fitness was really bad, you know, uh, February. And so I, I brought it down cause it had been too high. So I brought it way down, yeah. uh, accordingly. Uh, I got a new power meter, which was also kind of brought all that into effect. And so, yeah, it was going up, but then, I mean, the real thing is then can you hang on rides and I've been doing fine. So I think the the numbers actually speaks to what my personal fitness is, but, um, you, you know, so let's talk about Jason Grafath. Real quick. And, and yeah. by the way, today I'm sporting the, a new shirt from Folsom Bike. I appreciate it. I, I paid full price, people. So if it's just, just a bike shirt. Um, uh, paid full Is price. Is what all those items are by any chance? So I haven't actually looked. At, I like the color. And there was yeah. a bike on there. It wasn't too um, okay. weird. So I, I grabbed it. Um, paid full okay. price. Well, except for team discount stuff. Uh, so, you know, everything, anything we say on the show does not reflect on anything I say. It doesn't reflect on anything else or you on data driven. It's where these are our own opinions, right? 
Definitely. Okay. I hope so. Well, yeah. So They're the opinions you let me have. <laughs> hey, we had a we had a good discussion <laughs> on text last night, which is always the the absolute worst way to try to have a, a conversation about uh, anything. But um, um, yeah, it's maybe. hard to get tone across. That's for sure. Right. Right. Anyway, okay. Jason Graff. We were we were talking about him. Yeah, so we did this uh, very individual time trial series, and it ended up, uh, we finished it off, or he, he was done with it, and a lot of it we've been doing out in the canal, and you know, people know that out kind of in Rancho Cordova, it's flat, you know, doing all these time trials, and then he had one a few weeks ago out at Beatty, a nasty climb up there, and then um, this one was on the backside of Beatty, and it's just this area I climb constantly, so I was pretty well aware of this road, uh, and as was funny is... Um, I went out Monday and set the new KOM on it. We were just, you know, warming up for this thing. And then I text you and you were out riding. And of course you insisted on, you forced yourself to go and best my time by like three seconds or so, uh, which, you know, I helped. Well, to be it. fair, when you took the KOM on Monday, you took it from me. So you just didn't take <laughs> it. You, you took it from me. I took it you, pretty you good. pretty proud of it too. It was like so 30 I, seconds I, I or so. I felt a little extra motivation to go back out there and, and take it. I think we got lucky that day because the wind was pretty favorable. Very, I, I think yeah. we both agreed on that. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a tailwind push. So the segment that, that Jason had put together for, for this last week, so this was week 16. So he'd been putting this on for basically four months just to kind of give some folks uh, a little bit of fill that are, are missing racing. But uh, so this was week 16. And like you noted, it, it, it goes up the backside uh, of Beatty, so in between Polsman, El Dorado Hills, uh, new developments going in, so there's some new connector roads, and, and there's a road that ties, I guess, Iron Point, whatever it's called up there, to to the top of Wilson, and it's it's an interesting little segment. It's looking at Strava, 1.3 miles and 6%, but that's, that's kind of deceptive because the opening third is kind of flat to rolling, and then you've got uh, a, a quarter to a third of a mile that is 10%, and then you've got a finishing half mile or so that's um, probably net about 7 to 8%, but there's a couple of steep pitches that are 10 plus percent in there. So it's right. it's a challenging little climb that um, I think just given the nature of it, it, it doesn't necessarily favor one type of person. And uh, we, we had a good mix of people that came out and did the event. And looking at who's kind of in the top five, it, it shows you that it, it it's a good course profile for a lot of different people, big guys, small guys, and what have you. So uh, it, it's it was a it was a pretty challenging little segment, and um, I know you had a good day on it. You you kind of doubled down on your your effort from Monday, um, so it looks like you came in top five there on the day, which is pretty solid. Yeah. So uh, it was just. We'll talk about this a little bit and then get off of this. But um, uh, yeah, so when you, when I had taken it from you, I didn't really push super hard. There's a kind of a flat rolling, a little gradual uphill section before the climb starts. I hadn't pushed hard there. We had a tailwind. I still thought there was 30 seconds to be had on for me. Uh, and I definitely, the first thing I think I text you at the time is, uh, you know, winter is easily going to be sub six minutes. Uh, so I, yeah, I did take off like 20 some seconds from my time when you and I had gone on Monday. Uh, and that was really all I can do. I mean, I set a, a five-minute power number uh, all time for me. And, um, you know, look at Lars Lofkin ended up winning it five minutes, 41 seconds. I was 5.53. So there's, you know, a bunch of guys right into that. And um, it was uh, it, it was fun. I mean, I was really glad. Kind of, It's kind of fun, too, because you knew this was the end of Jason's thing. And um, you did not do as well as you had done. Matter of fact, you were off. Um, you, this time here is, shows you at six twelve, but this was from the other day because um, I can't search right just the other day. So yeah, so I ended up doing like a six thirty seven, which was kind of a bummer, but not terribly unexpected given the the change in wind direction. But what I was kind of bummed about was uh, a drop in power. Um, it, it seemed like we both agreed that we felt a little flat yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, and. Um, you, you still performed really well. Like you said, you, you, when you took the KOM for me, you didn't go full gas in the flat rolly section. So kind of kicking up there helped you out quite a bit, but, um, like you noted, Lars won and looking at second place there, Clint Clausen, third place, or I guess tied for second is Garrett. And then in fourth place, Ryan O'Dell. So those four guys are like four of the broad spectrum end of cyclists. You know, you've got 
the really lean, spindly climbers in, in Garrett and Lars, and then you've got the bigger guys in Clint and, and Ryan. So if you were to look at the power that those guys put out, you're probably looking at a range of 75, 100 watt differences between the two to come up with the same time. And um, Lars is relatively new to the area. I think he joined us from Colorado. Is that where he's from? Um, but he's more of a, a cyclocross gravel guy. He's, he's done some of the gravel events and it's done really well. I think he's been up there with like Pete Stetna and whatnot, but Clint is a mountain bike gravel guy. And then you've got Garrett, who's probably a pure road guy. So you've you got a really interesting mix of people coming in in the, uh, in the top places here. So kind of a cool way to end and, and get that range of riders Right. And uh, what was cool about that? Right. I mean, look, five minutes. Right. So you've got and it was steep enough to where and kind of the same with the Beatty thing. This this is actually I'm giving Jason a lot of uh, credit. And by the way, if you if you join us live here, um, make any comments. Uh, Mark uh, Tucker is the only one he likes to, to, to join it. Thanks, Mark. He says can't say criterium for liability reasons. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Uh, maybe uh, Chris remembers what it is. Um, yep. Lars is in here. He says, yep, Colorado. Uh, maybe we'll ask um, Lars, where in Colorado? Um, Colorado, uh, where? I, I, I did a lot of racing out there at one point, so I'd uh, be interested to hear that. Um, but what was cool about this um, segment, um, and we saw it with the Beatty as well, it was short enough where the power guys, I mean, uh, Ryan O'Dell, uh, you know, he's a bigger guy, but he's putting out, he can put out the, the numbers. I can hold a four or five minute, you know, super high wattage, um, but I'm not going to be able to compete with that, um, at all, you know, over, you know, 20 minute time. So, um, it was, it was fun. It kind of equaled things out. And, uh, thanks for Jason for doing this. Look at my prior message first, and then you have a thumbs up. (laughs) Maybe I'm missing something, Mark, Mark, uh, maybe, maybe just, uh, keep doing it. But anyway, um, I, I don't have another message here. Maybe it's our, 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 our system. So, uh, anyway, Jason, any, any other last comments about the Jason criterion or the Jason thing and who won this? Ken Todd won this overall. Ken, um, another Colorado boy. He, um, Is he? Okay. yes, he lived out there before, uh, I did. And then he moved here and, um, he has, he has actually some interesting uh, stories to tell as well. Uh, but it was good. Um, looks like he won the, the last Omnium for this one. And Jason Griffith was right up there. I don't think Jason missed any, I missed the last few cause I just got tired of it. Uh, but this is a great way to, to kind of send off. And look, the reason we're, we're talking about this is, first of all, it's, it's racing in, in our area because we don't have much. And I thought it was a great thing that we had during COVID uh, initially. It really got me out there riding. It, it got you actually off the couch for a little bit. Just for a little bit. I'm back on it. Uh, Parker is where Lars said, yes, I actually know, uh, that well, the Canterbury park, I Canterbury something or other There's a golf course out there. Wonderful. He used to go play out in Parker. Cause I live down in that South part of, uh, uh Denver as well. Um, good to have you on the show here uh, Lars. Uh, appreciate you joining us in. Um, okay. So anything uh, else? No, Lars also, um, he, when, when you mentioned we did the, the segment out on baby proper, yeah, uh, I think it. Lars also destroyed us there as well. So uh, I, I think you used to own those steep climbs kind of in and around the Beatty area, and he may have kind of taken ownership away from you there. So I'm, I'm you may need to leverage that fitness you've got and try and go take some of those KLMs back. Uh, it, it's not going to be possible with my weight. I'm literally 10 pounds higher than I should be. And you think of that, you know, I'm 160. <laughs> and if I'm 150, which I would have been racing on, that makes a big difference for those. So And, and then I'm getting ancient chris so we're we're, mm-hmm. we're backpedaling okay. a lot and i'm tripping <laughs> over my feet so um probably not gonna come up very well for that um any any last things you want to say about jason's uh thing uh praise him a little bit no i just i thought no. it was a, a really fun event um it, it filled a, a a pretty big void for for races and, and race rides for some people and i know on, on Facebook, you've seen a lot of thanks and appreciation directed toward Jason. A lot of folks, you know, Chris Dawson noted it was a, a good event for, for him and his son to look forward to on Thursdays. Right, and right. It, it seemed to get a lot of people out and compete that might not have done so otherwise. So it, it was a cool event and it seemed really well organized and it was, it was fun to have a variety of events. And, you know, we, we did get some gravel mixed in there. We got some short sprints. We got some longer TTs. We got some pure TTs. So it was, uh, it was really cool. Enjoyed it. So a big thanks to, uh, to Jason for 
for taking that on and, and dealing with the never ending gripes from the usual bike racer. So, right. Well, <laughs> you know, I think he, when I had him on, uh, cause he and I, he had a, we had a podcast kind of talking about the whole thing and then he was, he was getting shit. Someone quit like right away because they didn't like, uh, something he was, he was doing. You remember that we were doing those powered things. What's interesting is I did right. five minutes up six, almost six minutes, um, yesterday, higher power than I did for the first, you know, those power checks that we did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess because climbing you just got really fit. Well, climbing helps. It's I mean, hard it was, to, for me to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Daphne. And I said, you know, hey, I'll hail the the Daphne. It's kind of play on words here because I don't know if you saw this, Chris. Um, that uh, pieces. Yeah, we'll check out the back of Declerc here. Um, those on YouTube are able to take a uh, look at this. So um, pretty nasty little uh, marks all over his body from the hailstorm. And I got a little bit more. De- there was actually a video here that Cycling News had posted with this, but uh, it looks like they've taken it off. So maybe they got dinged with a little um, trademark thing here. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and, and it was uh, with the Israel Cycling Academy, a tweet that they had had. And basically, these guys got nailed with this uh, storm. And you had been mentioning something yesterday about, oh, you know, the safety of the riders. But evidently, this was guys that were like 20-some minutes behind the, uh, the lead group. The lead group got rained on. They didn't get hailed on. And some of the guys were kind of uh, going for cover. Um, and DeClerc himself said he goes, he didn't get a back massage that night. But um, after that, he uh, he basically, <laughs> as you can understand, but he's like, the marks are all gone. So it was, uh, it's not as bad as it makes it look, but um, still kind of icky. It seems like if these are the guys that are 20 plus minutes back, I mean, all the more reason to just kind of like, all right, let's scoop them up and get them the heck out of here. They're, they're just pedaling to the finish. It's not like they're contesting anything and, I think I read something where Tony Martin may have finished the furthest down because he just said to hell with this and he hid under a tree until the hailstorm passed and then he kind of soft pedaled in. Well, actually, I wanted so that's, that's uh, what I, I'd seen this on this uh, link here earlier and it was a video of him and he's he's crawls up the mountainside as the hail's coming down. And he's hiding with this little family, he helps this kid get up this road and then they're just sitting there. And then when he starts to come out, it's just yeah. the road's covered with all this uh, this. <laughs> stuff so reminds me hey Lars can can join in on this when you're out in Colorado you know every, even in the summer you're gonna go for a ride I always took a vest with me um and you know you get hailed on like this just for no reason just because you lived out in the in Colorado yeah I uh I saw a bunch of comments um that were kind of alluding to a similar event that happened to Masters Nationals in Bend circa right. 20 who knows when um I, I don't think 13. it was probably as bad as as that but um I don't know what they did in Bend if they kept racing or if they kind of put a hold on the race or, or what, but it, it seems like there's all this talk about rider safety. We just had the incident with um, Fabio Jakobsen and, and trying to look out for riders and the riders union um, right? kind of speaking on behalf of the riders. And, and this seems like a good opportunity to say, Hey, let's, let's either pause this and be generous with the cutoff time. So riders aren't getting pelted or, or just kind of scoop them up in the team cars and give them the last time as the most recent finisher or something. It just seems silly to have them race through that. Um, maybe do, maybe, I, was, I was saying maybe just do Omnium for everything now, right? You just don't really have to yeah. finish and you have to get points. Uh, Mark Tucker, um, his point, you know, some clarification here. Clovis practice laps. That's because <laughs> he can't say crit. Next Thursday, had 30 guys come cone out this week and some uh, fast-paced action. Okay, uh, good to know. Um, you and I have been, I'm, we've been, I mean, I have, and I, I'm texting with you, so I know you have as well, uh, following, oh, you wanted to do, um, was there anything else you wanted to say about that? You didn't put oh, some notes uh, on Oh, the, the Daphne, uh, the only thing I noted on here was, um, you know, Cycling Tips does a really good job putting up photos of races and they had some pictures from that event and they had the pictures of the riders that were, you know, dealing with the hail and the riders are dealing with the hail and the podium's already like being ushered off stage. So it's just, I remember seeing that at, at Amgen when we were up at Tahoe, you know, they were wrapping up the, um, the podium as riders were still finishing and, and kind of applauding the guys on the podium as they finish. So it's an interesting part of cycling where they're so efficient with getting through that process and wrapping it up that, you know, they're done with the podium and guys are back in the buses while other guys are still, you know, 20, 30 minutes behind. So right. it's, it's just interesting to see that. Right. Well, that's just part of bike racing there, Chris. Yeah, come on. Yep. Um, well, we don't do that locally. We have to wait hours. Right. So, so Lars does chime in here. Yeah. Nice to cool off in the afternoon, but it makes for dirty bikes more often. Nicer to be here. Well, we're, we're glad you're here in uh, California. Um, okay. 
So let's go do some world tour wrap up because there's a lot of stuff just coming. I mean, I honestly, um, if I could sustain this kind of excitement, um, compacting everything into like three months uh, that we're having, is kind of exciting. I mean, there's, there's racing every day and everyone is like peaking for this. I mean, it's these teeny little races where you might just have some unknown win it or one guy that's good out there that, you know, the Max Schockman's winning it and there's kind of eh, competition. This is like full blown everything. And I don't know, it may tone down a little bit once the tour gets going here, but, um, so we'll just go over some things we talked about here before, and then you chime in on any of this. Um, I'll just throw out some stuff. Strade Bianca, obviously we know, uh, Wout van Ert won that. David Formolo, who's uh, in the news again, and Max Schockman third. Annemiek van Vluten. Um, there was some, Leah, I'm trying to remember the, the female uh, American that, did well there, or at least the NorCal one on Trek. You know, Trek's team, their whole women's team, I guess, got their bike stolen. Kind of nasty. Yeah. Uh, tour of Poland. Um, we obviously know about the crash on stage one, mm. the Gronerwagen controversy. Um, world champ, Pedersen, finally got a win, so that was good. And then Evan Pohl just destroyed. He's like four for four in his last stage races or ever stage races. Mm. Uh, did like this monster 50-kilometer attack and um, held everyone off for the win. It was uh, quite impressive. Solo 50-kilometer attack for the win. Uh, the Tour de Occitani, uh, Bernal gets the win. Teammates there, Sivakov and Tao Gegenhart. Even Chris Froome helped in with the duties, and that's something you and I can talk about here in a little bit. Um, Bernal did look fine after his covid um, you know, a little issue he had there. Nairo, he's starting to look a little better, but, you know, he had had this big wreck in Colombia, so he's kind of coming back a little bit slower. Um, so uh, I think Bernal then won Occitani. Uh, Von Tu, we had yeah. the Russian winner, uh, Alexei um, uh, Vlasov. Uh, Martin uh, Giam looked, Giam, whatever, he looked pretty good. Uh, Richie Port looked pretty good as well, and he's been able to stay up in the top of all those. Then that Tour Del. I don't know anything about Ven Two. Was that a one-day race? Yeah, so they had that one last okay. year, and uh, Jesus Serrata ended up winning that over last year okay. over um, Bardet. And then this year, they 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 went up to the Chile. They took a, a loop around, and then they came back and did the whole thing again. And um, okay. yeah, so it, it's it's a really cool race. It's got a horrible name. It's Von Two's. I don't know. I can't even pronounce the whole thing. But um, and last year it was the first year. It was before the tour. People were some you know not really going for it. And but this one you know comes back. Everyone's jazzed to go. So it was a little bit more right. uh, action. And uh, Vlatsov, do you know much about him? Tall, skinny Russian guy that mm -hmm. um, goes uphill well. Does he have um, an Everest record? <laughs> yeah, he's if not, not. I don't he's, know much. He's about not. Him. He's not legit unless he's got, <laughs> unless he's got an Everest record. Exactly. Uh, Tudelin. Um, that was uh, Bernal. I mean, sorry. Yeah, Bernal versus Roglic, and that's those two teams kind of came together. Uh, Roglic ended up winning that, and pretty impressive. Uh, there was a day there. Sepkus. Um, no, I wasn't Burgos. I just wanted to mention that real quick. I think it was Burgos. He was helping Bennett. And there was a day where Bennett was falling off and Sepp looked like he could have possibly won that day, but he turns around, you know, kind of mm. sits up and goes and help him. Um, so Alain is kind of a precursor to Daphne, which we have here. Um, Milan San yeah. Remo, we know who won that one. Um, we'll you talk about that real quick. So did you, did you see any of uh, Milan San Remo and were you surprised? Did you pick, uh, I had picked um, total, terrible no, pick. Um, I picked the I, I got area. like the you last 30K. Um, I had picked Caleb Ewing, and you had um, Linder on, and he had picked Julian Alaphilippe, so I think uh, he had the best pick of the lot there. Uh, but no, I caught the last 30K, and it was kind of a, a typical um, Milan San Remo where it's, you know, the, the break gets away early, and they plot around for 250 kilometers, and then they start racing. But it was, uh, it was pretty explosive for the last 30K. Um, shed a lot of the sprinters early. I think the last pure sprinter to get kicked off with Sam Bennett. He made it up maybe three quarters of the podium right. before he just kind of lost connection. Um, there were some good attacks up the Suppresso. Um, and there was a, a moment where Daniel Oss had gotten away between the two climbs and the group kind of let him get away. And I don't know if that was to uh, the benefit of Bora or not, because he's usually the last guy to really support Sagan. And right. Sagan was in the in the chase group in the finish, and I just uh, I don't know if, if he had had Oswald, he'd had more uh, kick to kind of connect to the attack that Alaphilippe put in or, or not. But um, it was on the Poggio was where the, the winning move went, and that's usually where it goes. Um, Alaphilippe put in a good attack. Um, 
do you recall if he initiated the attack or was he following an attack by Nibali? Um, I don't think it was Nibali. There was uh, two other guys that had been just uh, off the front just a tad bit, and they had just brought them back, and then I think Alaphilippe went. And, okay, um, and I know Nibali went with him okay. um, and couldn't hang, and then Alaphilippe attacked through, and then Wout was able to connect on to Alaphilippe. But then over the top, Wout was getting distanced, um, and then um, Alaphilippe went over the top solo with maybe like three to five seconds, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then Wout was able to connect on maybe a third of the way down, and they got down to the bottom of the, of the descent with uh, eight to ten seconds on the group. And uh, that's always an interesting position to be in because you've got the group charging pretty hard. Uh, you've got 10 seconds, but you don't want to play cat and mouse too much, but you yeah. kind of want to play cat and mouse because you don't want to be put in a cruddy position. It ended up that Alaphilippe was able to put Wout in a really good spot where I think Alaphilippe was on Wout's wheel for the last maybe 1,500 meters. At least, if um, not 2K, yeah. Yeah, and then it, it looked, it was it was kind of iffy as to whether or not they'd get caught or not because with uh, 500 meters to go, I think they were still, you know, maybe had a three, four-second lead, if that. Um, and that kind of forced Wout to open his sprint. Um, Alaphilippe tried to come around, but he just couldn't hold him off. Yeah. Or he couldn't, uh, couldn't get around Wout. Uh, some impressive points there, as you described it exactly um, as it came out. Uh, Wout easily, well, I wouldn't say easily, but did a real good job of catching him on the descent and then went to the front and almost put uh, um, uh, Alaphilippe in a little bit of, uh, you know, hurt trying to stay up with him. And then, you know, yeah. they're swapping turns for a little bit. But Wout never, because I mean, they only had like 10 seconds at the most uh, over the, the field, and Wout really never, um, you know, let up even playing the cat and mouse and taking the sprint from the front. Very impressive, yeah. uh, that whole way down. Um, when I mentioned at the, at the open that there was a mirror, well, uh, last year, Alaphilippe wins Beata Strada Bianca, wins Milan San Remo, and this year you got Wout. Now, Wouts are more back-to-back, but still, impressive uh, nevertheless. Um, one, one thing that was uh, I've, I've heard a lot about was they changed the route a little bit, uh, as far as, I think, a little bit away from the inland coming down. You know, it's like 300 and some K. It's supposed to be 300 K or right in 280, but with all the neutral and everything, some guys showed like 317 mm-hmm. on their on their garments. It's just huge. Yeah. Um, but evidently, there was just they, they wanted to go away from some towns because there was so much more um, this time of year uh, instead of the early part. Um, uh, vacationers so those cities didn't want that there so it, it put a little bit more climbing and you can see that because there's no way uh, sam bennett should probably be kicked uh, from the group may not be able to go with the attack but you know the sprinters are typically there and it's what three four yeah. or five years in a row now you kind of have a non-sprinter uh, taking the win so right. fant- fantastic race last 30k was awesome yeah, no, that that seems like it's been the case recently for for this event. Is the the last thirty k is where things heat up. Um, it's almost like a, a normal sprint stage in in a Grand Tour where it's like, okay, let the break go. We'll just kind of conserve our energy and and try and be as explosive as possible on the last couple of climbs. But right. it was interesting seeing that sprint between Ella Philippe and Wout because you've got two guys that have completely different sprint form. Uh, yeah. Like Ella Philippe's bike was probably moving laterally as much as it was moving forward. And while it was just like in a perfect straight line, it was, it was interesting to see that. And one other thing I did hear, and, and I forget where I heard it, is um, Alaphilippe may have kind of eased up a little bit initially on the descent, realizing that Wout was about to connect. Um, it would probably be better for them to get to the bottom of the, the descent together, uh, as opposed to Alaphilippe getting to the bottom of the descent alone and trying to hold off the group by himself. So, um, yeah, Wout definitely descended like uh, a madman, um, but some people are speculating that, well, Alaphilippe kind of let him catch on. So eh, is well, there any truth to that? I don't know. Either way, it was it was impressive. I would say this. I, I thought it was whether Alaphilippe's, I mean, if he sat up, that's that was a smart thing to do, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. Second of all, Wout would have easily caught him at the bottom, um, you know, three, four seconds at the most there. I, I just think Wout's, the power he has and the ability to time trial in general, uh, that was, of course, the way to do it. And then he might have just p- tried to maybe power an attack through Alaphilippe. I thought it was a, a perfectly fine thing. And he was fine. And he's got rim brakes. So he, I don't think he – those things don't work anyway. So he just can't use them on the True. descent. Um, and so that's just the way – look, some people are making some comment, Dan and Sean, and, uh, about um, Froome and Roglic. Because we'll talk about that specifically. So just just hang on, and we'll, we'll put those up. Um, 
Let's actually go to uh, the Daphne. So that's happening right now. You got Ineos, you got uh, Jumbo kind of coming together. Um, obviously this big, oh, you know, you talked about the sprint. I, I was watching that sprint and my first thought is, Wout is going to have the straightest sprint possible after the Grona Wagon uh, Jakobsen thing. And he was, he was, he didn't even, right. he was like almost so self-conscious <laughs> that it, the bike didn't even move. It was just in Alaphilippe's just trying to get the win. So, you know, it's also an interesting finish. If you've seen there before, um, especially Caleb Ewing coming down there where they're sprinting so hard and it's kind of a, a rough road and their wheels are bouncing all over the place, but, uh, you know, Wout kept his down. So impressive. Okay. Criterion okay. Daphne, um, started on monday and so we've had three stages so far and you're seeing this you kind of start, saw it with the alin race you saw it with some with the burgos but now you got ineos and you've got um jumbo just going going at it um you know the only other team that's been real big so far has been to coin a quick step and i think ef education hasn't even they just barely the daphne i think was their first race they wanted to wait and see the protocols and all those other things but you see those three teams just really coming at it um and obviously with evan pole being able to win some stage races and that team can win sprints but the reality is it's these two big teams coming together and clashing uh what has been your take on them so far and which team I think it's obvious, but which team do you think is is winning the battle? It's it's been pretty lopsided. Um, it's it's you know you look at the the stage results and it's it's been pretty much all in favor of Jumbo Visma. Um, you've got Wout winning the stage on the first day, um, pretty steep uphill finish for the last three hundred meters. It looked like it finished on like an eight to ten percent ramp. Um, he held off uh, Daryl Impey from Mitchelton Scott. And that's, that's kind of the bread and butter for, for Daryl Impey is that kind of finishing um, sprint. So they did really well there, and the team did a really good job just like sitting on the front, ramping up the pace uh, just to get him in position to win. And they're basically out Ineosing Ineos. I mean, they, they just put their team on the front, and they're able to just hammer the pace. Um, I didn't see too much of yesterday's stage. Uh, I, I caught maybe the last 200 meters to kilometer or so, but it looked like the team pretty much did the exact same thing there where they just uh, got to the front with 10K to go and just kind of continued to keep the pace high enough where no real attacks could go, and they put Roglic in a position where he could attack with three, four, 500 meters to go and get a nice solo win. Before you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you you're completely yeah. wrong. So what you saw oh. was uh, Ineos coming to the front. They're going to bully everyone out, and they're like, hey, we're in this thing. And they lined their team up, and they were on the front drilling it up there to the point where Froome's like in line third or fourth back. He's just staring down, doing his, his wobble head. And next thing, he pulls yeah. out. He can't handle the pace, and they keep filling in. And you're just watching um, Dumoulin, you're watching, you're watching Sepp Kass, Dumoulin, <clears throat> Kreuzwick, and Roglic all just kind of in there. And Sepp just, he bounces around, he looks around like, is this what's, this? are you guys going hard? Next thing you know, 2K or so to go, um, the only Ineos rider left is Bernal. And yeah. um, then someone attacks, uh, Sepp Kass goes and follows, I think it was uh, Bachman. Um, he goes instantly on that, Roglic is on his wheel. Um, then Bernal actually tried something and Bernal had been, what was interesting, he had actually got distance a few times there and he kept kind of having to come up and he was suffering on the back and they just kept bang, banging it. And then he tries a little attack, Sep just easily closed that down. And it was Sep Kuss and Roglic the last until Roglic decided I'm just going to go and he gets the win. Um, so Roglic gets the win. Uh, it was very impressive and Ineos blew themselves, didn't time it right. And they put uh, Bernal in a spot where he was isolated because I think they were going to, and they're going to have to change their tactics. And I, and I don't know that this is sustainable uh, for the tour either, but um, right. I don't know. We'll talk so about it. It looked like when, when Roglic made his attack, his winning attack, Bernal tried to cover it. I think he was there for 20 meters and then just like he pulled off. He's, I, I right. can't do this. Uh, so similar definitely today. a difference in form between those two. And similar for today too, Roglic uh, put an attack, Formula oh, yeah. ends up uh, Amazing uh, long uh, climb, uh, this win, uh, breakaway, and um, Roglic went you know near the end with his group, and Bernal got distance. So uh, you know it's a, it's interesting to see their tactics there. Uh, Sepkus yeah, once again being able to stay with the front. Good. Say it again. Uh, it's, today's stage was pretty good. I caught the last climb there, um, and, and definitely uh, Yumba Vismo was on the front for the entirety of that climb, yes. bottom well, almost to top if you exclude Formula. 
But they did a really good job just kind of metering their efforts and keeping the pace high. And, you know, they weren't too worried about Formula, but they wanted to bring him a little bit because I think he was the virtual leader through the base of the climb. Um, but, yeah, they were able to kind of time it right, time it right, use Kreuzwick, use Hesink, use Dumoulin, and then ultimately save Sepp for the, for the final effort and got him into position where Roglic was, I guess, relatively fresh enough to, to put a big dig in the last 200 meters and put some time on Bernal, who like, you, you kind of have to view him as his, his primary competitor in this and potentially going into the tour. So it's good to see for him. I'm sure it's good to see him be able to put that time onto Bernal. But what I've had interesting is that you had Wout Van Aert, who we just talked about winning Strade, winning stage one of this, winning uh, Milan San Remo. He was doing a, a ton of work early on the first, uh, on the final climb where you know, he was pushing an effort that saw Chris Froome fall off two Ks into the climb. So he's he's right. definitely, you know, getting his wins, but at the same time playing the full-on teammate role of just killing himself. Like a couple of years ago, Kwiatkowski used to do it in right. uh, the tour for, for Ineos or Sky to the point where when he was done with his pull, he was just about to fall over. And that's what Wout looked like today. So he's definitely kind of filling that incredibly hard-working B role for, for the team and getting in a position where they're left with four, you know, relatively fresh guys to help uh, Roglic to the finish. So it was, it was cool to see them kind of out Ineos, Ineos today. Uh, Wout is amazing. I see him as a better climbing uh, Sagan. And so, you know, his sprint might not be as top as Sagan, but he maybe a Matthew, but I know he goes up better than Matthews too. So um, very impressive for him. He um, might even have a better sprint than Sagan. I mean, he, there yeah. was the, the stage he won on the tour last year and he beat, yeah. um, oh gosh, the, the Italian sprinter who was with quick step at the time. Uh, uh, Fabio. Name. No, uh, he's not. A uh, it starts with a V, right? Viviani. Viviani. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he beat him in a, in a heads-up sprint, and he beat Ewan and all the other guys in the same sprint. So he's he's got some powerful kick to him. So he's he's a good sprinter. Let's go through some of this. Dan, because Dan's got a little thread here. Uh, Froome is the man, he says. And then he comes back and says, well, we like this, just saying, maybe former best man, but still a man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen the details on that, but I'm assuming so. Uh, Rog, Rogi, killing them, though. Um, is he pushing too hard? Pre-tour, though. We want to talk about that. Um, Sean Bagley chimes in here saying, uh, those ketone Easters must be <laughs> working great. Uh, yes, they are. And then lastly, he says, um, our boy Sepp is killing it. He's Roglic's final lead-out man. Last two days, he was the key pace driver up the climbs. Yes, he was super impressive. So let's talk um, kind of about those two things in Froome. So there's a concern about maybe Roglic is just coming in too piping hot. And, hey, look what he did last year at the Juro. Um, he was looking good. He was winning a ton of races, and then he comes in the Giro and he flops. Uh, what third, third place? I think overall. Um, the difference, mm -hmm. though, with that is he and then he he won the Vuelta, uh, quite in convincing st st fashion. Uh, you look at the Vuelta and the Giro, though, of him. He had no. T I mean, Sepp was with him. Uh, Lawrence Plus uh, was there. Uh, I think uh, Gessink was supposed to ride the the Giro with him, and he got sick, and so wasn't there. So he had those two climbers with him when, you know, the, the vault is very, uh, I mean, sorry, the Giro is very climby, you know, predominant. Um, and then De Plus pulled out uh, midway or first part. Then you had Sepp Kuss, who's not the Sepp Kuss that we see now, or not even the Sepp Kuss we saw in the Vuelta. And Roglic had a lot of climbing in his legs, I mean, uh, racing in his legs going up to the Giro. So I think this is different. I think when you haven't had the full season of racing and everything, and you've had this time off, everyone's fresher. I think you could come in a little hotter and you're showing your team. Like you talked about guys peeling off Dumoulin's on the front, just drilling it. People are just flying off the back. He pulls off and he slots himself in and does his best to finish still with the group. And I'm like, wow, I was pretty impressive. Cause uh, you know, Froome did That's a turn the other day if, too. If, if, if Roglic is coming in too hot and falters, it's not like they can't look to Dumoulin. He's never won a grand tour, right? It's not like they can't look to Steven Kreuzwick. He's almost won a grand tour. So, I mean, they've got, backups of plenty uh right. i mean it's it, it's is roglic even the guy i don't know is, is right. he the guy that they're they're targeting for the tour you've, I don't got, know. you've got to say um, so he is i think you, you're i'm watching him finish things off he and and going back to the vuelta where 
every day, you know, there's a different guy that would kind of come in, uh, you know, Pogacar was all of a sudden strong. And then you had uh, Lopez and Valverde and he was never a problem. And he measured mm-hmm. his, his racing out well. And uh, he reminds me of that. Now, now look, we're taking uh, a day by day. Oh, Bernal, you know, he's kind of coming off and anything can happen. Right. I mean, it's, right. it, it was a five day stage race that we're kind of basing everything off of. Uh, but it's very impressive to see that team meld and they're, they're doing great. It's impressive, especially yeah. to see Sepp Cuss take this amazing role. I mean, the, the climbing he's doing right now is, and I, I imagine, only imagine it's going to be getting better. So what's your take on that compared to, um, Ineos and the breakdown of, uh, Thomas getting flicked on climbs, uh, Froome getting flicked on climbs. Is he even going to be a Sivakov the other day? Was it today? He's making the finish and he's looking around and Bernal's not even with him. And, um, right. I'm like, uh, you know, if you just maybe take care of your leader, you might've saved him another 10 seconds. Yeah. I, I I'm probably less worried about Bernal. I suspect right. he can, can ride into form, but Froome's coming off probably the biggest injury of his career. One of the biggest injuries of his career. He's not, young he's mid 30s um thomas is also not that young either so it, it are they aged out i don't know but it, it seems like they're struggling more and the likelihood of them rounding into form maybe less and less um right. there's still that speculation of is from even going to be going to the tour and if you view daphne as kind of like the judge uh and there's a couple more stages that are going to be really difficult in in the daphne but he's not exactly shining right now to the point where, you know, he's, he's not sitting on Bernal's wheel or, or being one of the guys to kind of pull Bernal along. So, eh, Froome, I, you almost want to say, okay, maybe you're not ready for prime time. We're going to have you continue to rehab and, and build some form and maybe you'll be our guy for, for the Vuelta or for the Giro. I don't know. Especially, uh, It you- just seems like he's, he's, he's not the Froome of old at this point. No, and he had a horrible crash, what, just a, a year ago. So, um, and, and especially in light of the way uh, uh, Jumbo's lighting it up when you've got some deficiencies and you're like, oh, this is gonna, how it's going to be in the tour, we're going to have to, we can't just hope that Froome rides himself in. I mean, if we've already, if Thomas is already kind of looking suspect, but he's still looking better than Froome, eh, he, you know, maybe you don't take that gamble. Um, what's interesting, though, is Froome, um, he's, you know, he's, he looks like he's the team guy right now and he's, he's doing everything he can and can, and, you know, in the tour del in, um, he, he set some hard pacing up the climb on one of the first days when Bernal won. And, you know, he was like going for like two or three K just super hard and he shelled the, the, the group and you're like, Oh, you know, good for him. My, my question is, uh, is he doing that specifically to, um, is he doing that specifically to get uh, on the team, and then once he's on the team, he's going to actually do his own thing, or is he really going to take a, a super domestic role? What do you think? Uh, I think that they do it like they did the year Thomas won, where, you know, yeah, Bernal, you're the leader. This is in the event they do bring Froome, but we're going to have kind of Froome shadow you, so to speak, and then in the event you falter, okay, we've got somebody that can step in and support you, because he's Bernal's great. He's he's still young though, and he, yeah, he won a Tour de France. But you you do have this kind of four time winner guy who's extremely motivated to land a fifth result. So it, you kind of feel like if you do bring him, you do have to kind of keep him on reserve and and ready to capitalize on any faltering by Bernal. Um, I think Thomas, you know, if you bring him, he's he's a work guy, and that that's kind of all it is. Um, I don't know as much about the depth of their team now. I know they lost Poles and, and a couple other guys, so I don't know if they do have the the strength that they've had historically where they can just put guys on the front and continue to just put the throttle down. They they may have to just kind of let uh, Yumbo Visma do that and try and capitalize off any mistakes that they make. Yeah, right. Um, and, and so it's going to be great to see. Because then, you know, if once, once a tour team, once they select <laughs> it, um, then we can... You know, put maybe some of that to bed and then maybe Froome or whatever can focus on a different race. If he, if he doesn't make it, I, I'm always, uh, it's, right. it's disheartening to me in a sense to not see him at the tour. Cause I think, uh, you know, uh, he deserves that, but I don't know if he deserves him based on his, his actual writing as of right now. So that'll be, yeah. that'll be an interesting, okay. Well, we'll keep that in mind and, uh, keep watching that. Speaking of, uh, when I had mentioned, you know, he might be on the outs world championships, uh, looks like it, it was supposed to be in Switzerland, um, they announced canceled, and then you're seeing tweets about um, maybe it, they're going to be able to find a different place. And the reason Switzerland, um, it, even though they've, I, I was texting with you, it looks like they've done pretty good with their their COVID stuff. 
but they do have a restriction where over uh, they limit um, over a thousand people kind of demonstrations or, or gatherings. So I think it's just going to be difficult for the UCI to be able to conduct the world championships based on the regulations that Switzerland has. So they're actually trying to go and you've lamented the fact that, Hey, China's not open. Uh, it'd be, it'd be a great place to, to have this, but well, they've got to have they it somewhere close. The UCI races in China. Uh, that was what done a couple months ago where UCI said, uh, no, we're not going to have any races in China, but I know, um, like I said, they canceled it initially, but now it's been, well, it's not necessarily canceled. We're working to find a, a replacement host city. Uh, La Partie is, is saying, you know, we're going to try and find a place that can host all the events, hopefully, um, on similar courses in parkour, and we should have an update for you by September 1st. Uh, okay. So figure two weeks from now, we should have a clear picture on, on whether this goes forward or not. Obviously, that's all subject to change based on all the fluctuations in, in COVID statuses of the different European countries. But uh, it seems like he's not given up, but he's he's hopeful that he can find something very similar. That way, anybody that was kind of gearing toward having this be their their priority race, they're not totally hosed. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, I mean, with this surrounding that we're having right now, you know, a lot of times worlds, they try to, they try to have a spot and they, it's, they sell it kind of like the Olympics, right? Hey, it's a moneymaker and these, these towns bid for it. Um, where in this year, you're just kind of like, uh, we just kind of want the event and we don't want all the pomp and circumstance and the crowds around it. So, yeah. um, I'm kind of, I was actually, when I saw the, the number of a thousand with, uh, it seems like they could be able to come in and still have that in Switzerland, but evidently not. And because I'm hoping that, you know, you're not expecting to bring the crowds. So maybe they can still do it someplace, um, you know, but shut down and just like, Hey, we're just going to, and maybe they should have done it where they separated the racing out a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. If you think about the head count, it's difficult because you figure you've got all the countries, 150 elite riders, you've got 150 women, elite riders, you've got the juniors, you've got the under 18s, you've got the coaches, you've got the swaniers, you've got this, it, in the end, I'm sure it tallies up to at least a thousand people. And if they were able to say, "Hey, Switzerland, what if we just do the the men's and women's elites, and we 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 kick the can on the U23 stuff?" Right. Maybe they can make that happen. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see if it even if it even happens. And and it's also um, so they were talking about Rowan. De- hey, remember Rowan Dennis? He was supposed to be on the. Uh, yeah, they were talking about the tour team, and I heard, saw someone online say, "Oh." Um, it's not even, he's not even, you know, what about him for the tour team? Well, one, there's no time trial, so that's probably not going to be the thing for him. And then they were saying, oh, there's an overlap with the, the UCI worlds, but there's no overlap. I mean, there, we've, we've talked about that. There's a little gap in there, but it's very close. So if he's really focusing and that's his main thing, then, um, probably not going to see him anywhere near there. Right. Right. He'd be a good guy for the tour as a, a workhorse. It's a bummer that the, the worlds and, and the tour kind of overlap like that. Right. Okay. So let's take a look at this. I don't know if you can see this very well. Um, uh, races coming up on the calendar here. You've got Il Lombardia coming up. Dwarves, uh, door. Is it that, that the normal dwarves? Dwar- I don't know. Dwarves de Hogeland. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what some of these are. The Wallone, Gerald <laughs> Dill. I, come on, people, can you, can you make them a different language? Tour de Limousine, Omloop, Britain Classic, Grand Prix de Marbreers. Um, any of those, uh, so Il Lombardia, that's basically the one we're looking at. So it looks like the riders might have, a, I mean, even though there's, there's a Britannian plot classic, um, even though you have some of these, is that the one that's kind of a, 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 a Strada Bianca type, the Breton classic? No, I, I don't think so. You're thinking of another one that I can't remember the name of. Yeah. Well, there's a few of them there, but, yeah. um, anyway, um, so there's some races coming up, and we will hopefully uh, have a little bit more. Um, anything you want to say about Trobo Leon is what Trobo, you're thinking of. Yeah, there, but there's another one as well besides Trobo Leon. Okay. Um, Il Lombardia, uh, anything you want to talk about that one? I know Mike. Yeah, Woods I mean, that's a big it. race. Right. That's one of the, the few monuments. It's typically a fall classic. Um, I mean, it's up there in kind of uh, prestige with Flanders and, and Roubaix. It's more for the, the climber oriented guy so it's it's typically the what is it the the race of the falling leaves so yeah. it usually comes later in the season so uh it's going to be i did a quick look at the weather forecast it's supposed to be a high of 87 um in in the race city and i assume that's probably atypical for this event uh which has a lot of climb and i'd be curious to know how that's going to affect the riders because it's a slightly different uh, set of circumstances um 
some really big names are, are geared up to, to race, though, and they've got support from the teams. And the big names that I saw that jumped out at me were Remco. He's, he's got high uh, ambitions for this race. Uh, Nibali, Vanderpool, which odd to see him in that race, but you think? he's there. Uh, George Bennett is going to be there, and he's coming off some good results. Uh, Michael Woods also, uh, you know, coming into form after his, what did, what did he break, his, his femur? Yeah. I forget. <clears throat> his femur. Um, Fugle saying and, and Shockman. So you've got some really big names that are, are probably in really good form that are, are kind of gearing up for this. So it'll be interesting to see how Remco carries that four-win streak that you mentioned uh, not that long ago um, on this type of race against somebody who's uh, a pretty well-seasoned vet in, in Nibali. So you've got a guy who's just starting his career and another guy who's kind of near the, the tail end of his. Uh, I haven't seen that Nibali, Nibali's like top-notch right now. Uh, you know who is top-notch that you listed in there was George George Bennett, he uh, yeah. he just won that Gerald de Piedmont or something one day race, and I saw the last you know ten fifteen k of that oh. one. Holy cow! Strong strong attack off the front. Everyone's trying to come with him. Um, what's the guy Gianni Moscone? He tried to go with him on mm. the climb and was suffering just because uh, it was like big chain ring type of attacking and couldn't do it. And then he has you know twenty fifteen twenty second gap there, and he. He held him off. It was uh, right to the finish line. They almost got him. Elisi, I think, almost got him. But uh, okay. very impressive uh, solo, you know, 15K attack with uh, two little climbs in there. Um, so I'm looking for, for something from him. But um, I would like to see okay. uh, Matthew Vanderpool. Um, I could see that. Doesn't doesn't Lombardia um, finish, like, with, have a pretty nasty steep climb, and then they have a downhill uh, coming into the finish? And that, was there yeah. an issue a few years ago with, like, a motorbike running into someone on the uh, like BM, uh, BMC rider? Seems like up the climb or wouldn't something. Wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, or he had a motor uh, in his bike. It, it seems like it'd be a good opportunity for for Vanderbilt to kind of capitalize on some of the the attention that Wild's getting. You know, they're they're kind of viewed in the same light where you know one guy is uh, the the outgoing cyclocross guy, and then you got Vanderpool as the the new cyclocross guy. But uh, I'd also look to Shockman to do well. Uh, he had a really good Strada Bianchi. I mean, he, he kind of faltered chasing Wout, but he seems to be in pretty good form, and he can climb well. So I'd, I'd look for a good result for him, too. Yeah. Uh, Sean Bagley says, Richie Port is quietly riding very strong under the radar. I would agree with that. He's been able to hang with those top, and, and it almost is like a washing machine effect of some kind of time there's a good guy in there, and then the next guy gets spit out. But he's been a consistent guy up in the top of the climbs with all these but he hasn't been able to, you know, usually Richie Port, you kind of see him being able to hang with it and then make an attack. I haven't seen him quite do that yet. Um, but maybe he's 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 definitely looking better than Froome, right? As we would say right now. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, he, he seems to be hanging in there pretty well. Maybe uh, Froome should recruit him and be a domestic again. Right. Get the team back together. Right. Um, so one of our classic segments here, uh, things that make oh. you go, hmm, and maybe you'd like to chime in on what you have on yours. Me? Okay. Uh, yeah, so the one that, that caught my eye and has been kind of popping up here and there in, in social media is Wout winning all these races on a, a rim brake bike. And it seems to be totally contrary to what the bike industry tells us where, you know, the rim brake is dead and, you know, if you're using that on a descent, you're probably going to die because they won't work. Um, but Cycling Tips did a really big breakdown of the, the rim brake versus um, disc brake controversy, if you want to call it that, with, with Wout. And what they ultimately concluded is that Wout's using the bike that will best allow him to win. And that's because the, the, the Bianchi Ultra XR4 in the rim brake model is significantly lighter than the uh, disc brake model. So he's, he's using that to kind of give himself the most optimum opportunity to win. And uh, the, some of the other teams, like, would Julian Alphilippe be using a rim brake bike if it was even made? Right. So, so they don't have the Venge or the new Tarmac in, in a rim brake. So the fact that he's on a disc brake is, is because that's all that's available to him. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, there's this big push to disc brakes, but you still got guys who obviously can perform well on anything that you put under them. So, so I don't even uh, have a, you know, a disc brake bike, right? I, I'm, but, uh, I, I can imagine that uh, push comes a shove or a breakdown. The the disc brake bike uh, is going to break just a little better or much better, whatever than the rim brake. But to say you can't win, I mean, this isn't 
this isn't the kind of technology that I think is going to make, or as you can see, make or break, uh, you, you know, the, the win in this sense. It might mm -hmm. be a little cha game changers here and there in certain circumstances uh, if you don't know how to corner and stuff, and it might save you from, uh, you know, going into the walls or something. But uh, it just, it, it's an advantage, um, but is it going to make it or break it? No. While it's, you know, winning just fine, it's not like he's uh, running an inferior product here. So it's a little, yeah, you're right. It's right. a little ridiculous. Like, oh my God, like, how do they even do this? It's like down two shifters. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not even like that. Um, so we'll right. make it. I mean, I still do crits. With and that. I assume that I didn't, I didn't look, but I assume that Roglic is on a, a rim brake model. So his wins are going to be probably uh, scrutinized a little bit here as well. So. Right. Uh, Maybe this will be the rebirth of the rim break. Right. And as you said, some teams, I mean, and some, you know, the, the Pinarello that, uh, does it, no, the Bianchi that uh, Wout is riding on, um, it comes in a, you can at least get it in rim breaks, whereas, you know, the, the specialized, yeah. you don't even have that opportunity. Um, right. You had another one. I did. It's kind of a, an after fact because it's still early in the season, but Sagan's uh, kind of having a whole home start. Uh, he's, I think he got fourth at uh, Milan San Remo, which isn't bad, but. You know, a, a guy of his caliber, you, you maybe you expect more. And uh, on the first stage of the Dauphiné where Wout won, and it'd be kind of a, a good finish for Sagan. I think he finished 95th or something like that. And so what's interesting is that Specialized is always pushing the, the Sagan model for an extra premium. And if he kind of continues this, ah, laissez-faire attitude of, well, whatever, racing's racing, and I, I'm just going to go through the motions, or they can continue to push that bike at, at such a high premium uh, if it's modeled after a guy who's eh, not that into racing anymore. So maybe he'll turn it around and, and go for a, another green jersey at the Tour. We'll see. But, again, it's, it's early, and maybe he's rounding it. Right. Form. Well, he, he had just picked Wout for the green jersey already for the Tour. Um, and you look at Bora, they're starting to bring on, uh, you know, climbers, uh, a little bit different yeah. mix in that team. So, you know, I think his contract is up at the end of this year. And, you know, mm -hmm. he gets paid a ton of that. Five million plus euros, whatever it is, with uh, specialized money. It'll be interesting to see um, what that comes to. But yeah, he's yeah. he's been very disappointed. Almost like, oh yeah, he's racing. Eh. Right. But the racing I, has I think been. He's just he doesn't seem to be into it as much as he has in the past. I mean, you you won however many world championships, however many green jerseys. It's you know, I can see the motivation falling to the wayside a little bit. Right. And and um, you know, the 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 excitement of the actual racing is so good right now that people are kind of you know. They're not so excited about just Sagan. I mean, if he was doing wheelies and it's kind of boring time, okay, whatever. Uh, so I got some, a few of them here, but uh, let's. I'll skip one for next time. Uh, so Patrick Lefevre says he takes back his comments <laughs> about putting Dylan Grunewagen in jail, and I like this. He's like, "Oh, look, I, I read the. You know, I was saying things every very emotional at the time. Um, you know, I listened to him. Of course, I don't. I I saw his apologies. I'm not inhuman. Uh, I realized that it is also moved, and that he did not want Fabio's serious crash." This is, this is the part that I like, though. He goes, that does not alter the fact that he still made a mistake and has to bear the consequences. Totally understand that. Um, I take back that he should be put in jail. That is the emotion of the moment. But we continue our lawsuit against him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're still a pompous uh, douchebag, right? Uh, and I only say that because right. I, I broke down last time. I just, I, you know, th there, I was listening to, I think it was a Cycling Tips podcast. But for that whole exploding, um, you know, barrier, you're not going to see such a call. You know, we talked about this on the show. People are like, year and a half, you know, $200,000. And I'm like, I didn't think it was, I've seen much more egregious. There, there was a um, tour of Turkey where a guy, you know, intentionally put some guy down. Um, those are situations you have. I just don't believe this would call for. And, and, and once again, those barriers seem to be a big problem. And but for him flying through, that is, that you don't expect to have part of your injury, you know, even uh, Grunewagen broke his collarbone, but he got hit with the barriers coming through too. So, but anyway, Patrick yeah. Lefevre, good, good, good luck there. Yeah. I think the, uh, the tour of Turkey, that was Teo boss. I think that yeah. intentionally pulled the rider down. I think he, he got suspended, but it wasn't anything outrageous. Uh, yeah. it was, it was a short period of time. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't think he's really had a good return to the road season since then. He, he's back on the track. Right. Um, and I'm trying to remember it was a writer for, um, Direct Energy, and then he was with EF, uh, Pierre Le no, he's a, he's a um, Pierre Lelon, that's who it was. There's some videos mm -hmm. you can find of him where he is off in a break, and he's trying to, and then another time, it's all similar, uh, I think, in the tour, and he was trying to get the KOM, and he puts other riders in the dirt, um, much more egregious than, than I say more egregious, but there's no barriers there, so it makes it look uh, less so, but, um, you know, guys do this, uh, not that we 
yeah. it. But well, anyway. The tour last year when you had Tony Martin brake checking right. riders on the front of the group. I mean, <laughs> they both got kicked they got, out. They did, but they didn't get anything more than that. So yeah. No, because they didn't, uh, you know, break faces and stuff like that. Um, right. So I'm trying to do like a right instead of winners and losers, writer or right of the week. What do you have for that? And then we'll mm-hmm. uh, close out here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, mine kind of extends beyond a week. And I, so ride, writer of the weeks, I guess you could say, would, sure. would be wow. I mean, that guy is just, yeah. he's coming back with a bang. Uh, he, you know, he wins Strade, he gets third in Torino, uh, wins Milan San Remo, wins this first stage of the Dauphine, and then through stage three, he's just killing it like a, an insane teammate. So he's he's come back to the road scene. He, he ended the season last year on a terrible injury in the TT at the, the Tour. So to come back in the form he's got now, is, it's it's crazy. It's, it's incredibly impressive. It is. It's good to see him coming back so well. He, he, I heard where he had gone to some counseling just to try to get his mind back in a spot where he was uh, not afraid. You know, you take a big, you had that a few years ago. You went down and had some wrecks and then were a little more tentative. Yeah. And um, so he, he's, uh, look, watching him descend uh, Milan San Remo down the Poggio, I mean, he's, he looks to be fine. You know, quick thing about that Michael Matthews ends up, uh, two quick things here. Michael Matthews ends up uh, third that day, but he smashed his hand. I guess he hit it on the wall as he's, cl- you know, there's full oh. speed. He didn't go down, but he smashed his hand against the wall and it messed it up. Then I saw Dan Martin just today. He didn't start stage three. He fell yesterday, uh, fract- fractured sacral or something like that on his back. And he's like, right. I don't have a scratch. I don't know. But, um, you know, they're pulling him out for the tour. Um, so the weird little injuries there. And then you had one other, you did have a loser and I saw this one too today. So, um, I blew my mind. So why don't you talk about that real quick? Yeah, I I wouldn't call it a a loser per se. It's a loser of a situation. Uh, so I was scanning cycling news before we we got on here today and see that there's an article about an 80 year old getting banned for a year by USADA, uh, for, for testing positive female for testing positive for, uh, methyl testosterone. So it's a, a female track racer was wanting to get their age group world record verified. Um, and as part of that, you've got to take a drug test. And, and they requested the drug test, and they came back positive for that methyl testosterone. And she indicated that it's in a medication that she'd been taking since 2005. Um, requested a, a retroactive TUE to, to, to get it all cleared up. Uh, USADA denied the, the TUE saying there's nothing in the medication that you actually need. And we actually think you're taking it for performance benefits. Ah. Uh, so she contested that result and an arbitrator stepped in and said, well, in my opinion, we should uh, ban you from the time you first started taking the medication in 2005. So uh, what the end result is, I think she's getting a, a one year ban from USADA, but it's, it, it's just an unfortunate situation. And, uh, so that 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 is what it is, I guess. That sounds even. <clears throat> excuse me. Once you break that that down, and they the arbitration and the different panel looks at that it makes it sound like she they think that she's actually more fraudulent than just um, even put on like oh you got caught. I mean like oh no 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 it's right. it's it's you're actually kind of bad news. You're bad grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, they made it pretty clear that no, we don't think you're taking it for for health reasons. We think you're taking it for performance reasons. And right, and she's like, what do you mean? Them's the breaks. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, well, again, well, yeah, it's, it's a cruddy situation. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, that's where we're calling this stuff out. Um, once again, I appreciate everyone joining in and doing this. We're going to try to, once again, try to do this on Fridays at one thirty. Chris, I appreciate you joining me. Before I go, though, my writer of the week, I don't have a loser, Chris. We're keeping it all positive here today. Uh, wow. Writer of the week, though, is uh, Evan Paul. And you made a good point. I know you, you made this point, and I, I was hoping you'd, you'd comment. So you can exactly my thought, too, oh, okay. uh, which was uh, Evan Paul. 50 kilometer uh, attack. Everyone knows who this guy is. He ends up winning the, the the tour of Poland by two plus minutes, which is what he ended up staying away. As several climbs, he was just fantastic. They couldn't bring him back. Um, on the same day, Carapaz had had crashed too, so he didn't really get a chance to defend himself. He had a little trouble. But uh, Evan Pohl comes across the line. He pulls out um, Jakobsen's number, and he holds it up for the win. And I'm like, hey, that's kind of ballsy. It's not only did you, um, you know, people know who you are. You're, you're a big lightning rod, and they didn't, catch you but you had your number and it's kind of like the babe ruth right calling it out saying i mean it looked like you planned it i mean i also thought what you did which is <laughs> oh well my comment i saw that in your in your in your notes here i was just like uh not necessarily a direct comparison to a babe ruth moment babe ruth moment would be kind of like writing it out at the start line beforehand and saying hey everybody i'm gonna win solo you guys can kick rocks 
uh, it's probably more likely that, you know, once he started his solo breakaway and was evident he was gone, maybe he, he got the number from his team car or something right. like that. But still, it's impressive that he, he was that far ahead to, to pull something like that off to show appreciation for his teammate. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, he's definitely impressive. Um, you got all these young riders. Pogacar is starting to come back and, and hold on to the top. Uh, it looked like he was up there today, too, just kind of hanging on. Uh, Remco, I mean, uh, fantastic riders coming into the four. Sepp Cuss, I've been really satisfied with him. Uh, Sean Bagley replies here, uh, that's a lifetime ban for her. Yes, because <laughs> I don't think, give her five Dang. more years. She's already way overdue at this point, it appears to me. So, um, hey, um, any last uh, cycling comments, predictions for Il Lombardia? It's just uh, Il Lombardia, I, I don't have a pick. I think George Bennett is a pretty safe bet, at least a farewell. Um, the biggest challenge I've got is, like you noted, there's a lot of racing going on, and it's really difficult to keep up with anything. At best, when racing is spaced out, I can follow one race, but now that there's three or four going at the same time, and you've got a three-day, four-day stage race followed up with another after another after another, it's, um, there's a lot of racing, and if you can follow it, great. Good job. <laughs> I can't do it. Right. I'm, tr I'm trying to maybe do a spreadsheet. Uh, someone did do that on the NCNCA page, and I think John Simmons had maybe started that. It was a breakdown of all the races and who's covering them. Uh, flow bikes. Mm -hmm. I even looked into the GCN. I'm like, hey, maybe because it's a fairly cheap package. Uh, but they, they, they have on their thing that they're, they have Giro, but they don't, they don't actually cover the Giro. So I'm just going, I'm looking for a good Giro, uh, and it looks like Flow or one of those is the mm -hmm. only way to go Fubo or something. There's just a little bit more, and I want to pay on that. So. At this point, I did realize this morning that I still have NBC Sports Gold, so I was able to actually watch some of the Dauphine. I didn't, I didn't know I still had subscriptions. So. I think they had extended that out due to the COVID. So with the cycling pass, so I think okay. I've got to notice about that. Right. Yeah, so you've got the you got the Dauphine there. Um, anyway, that's what we have for the episode 187 today. Appreciate everybody joining, Chris. I especially appreciate you coming on and giving your um, yeah. your expertise. You have a good week, everyone. Have yes, a good week. There's one way, look, just subscribe to the show, click a little button. Uh, maybe you could even make a little comment on some of those other things. It does help us out. Our numbers are growing, and uh, we want to be able to keep putting these shows out for you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.